everybody and welcome to the kudzu radio hour number 109 with buffalo and billy the special irony edition that's right folks it's the irony edition independence day and we're all locked inside how ironic is that this podcast was recorded on saturday july 4th 2020 happy independence day podcast is brought to you by the fine folks out at Springer Mountain Farms. Fresh organic chicken responsibly raised on family farms with no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts ever, ever. Get more information or order online at SpringerMountain.com, SpringerMTN.com. Not only is Springer Mountain Chicken healthier for you, it also tastes great. And as I've said before, I will really stand by that. I had some again last night. It's kind of become a Friday evening go-to to have the boneless, skinless chicken breast grilled. Uh, for my birthday, I got a uh, Quasinart portable grill. Um, it's a nice one, man. It's a nice one. It cooks that chicken up real good. It cooks it up real good. Springer Mountain Farms Chicken. I want to tell you there's a brand new issue of Kudzu Magazine out now as of yesterday. Issue number 38. 38. We have an exclusive interview with guitar slinger Jack Pearson. An interview with former Atlantic Records and Capricorn Records promotions man Dick Woolley. Some real insight into the history of Capricorn there. Almond Brothers band author Scott Freeman, the first guy that ever wrote a book about the almonds. There have been many, but he was the first. I never will forget reading that when it first came out. I still stand by that it's one of the best. Midnight Riders, Scott Freeman. We have an archived interview with Sweet Bonnie Bramlett. Uh, and we have our buddy over in Britain, Craig Eason, exploring unreleased albums by the Allman Brothers and Sea Level. We also have some very timely articles this issue. I hope you'll read them both. One by the rock and roll health chick, Electra. She wrote one about the importance of wearing the masks, the COVID-19 uh, surgical masks that people need to be wearing but for some reason they're in resistance. I don't know why. They need to do it because it uh, will slow the spread and make it go away. So let's all stick together and do that. The other one was written by my buddy, my niece's husband, Anthony. He wrote a great article called How We Got Here. Um, it's about racism in the police. It's a pretty long article. Uh, well thought out. And he has a list of demands on there. Things that, if you read it, I believe you'll agree that uh, these, uh, these things that they're talking about would really change the whole dynamic of how the police work with the African American community. Read it and let me know what you think. And and I'll let Anthony know because he's really he's a really good writer. He's a uh, 
brilliant human being and, and a caring human being. So all that said, um, I want to kick things off today. We're going to be talking about Texas music, okay? So I'm going to kick things off with a Texas blues rocker. This guy used to be in the Dickie Betts band. Uh, he um, is a smoking hot guitar player and a great singer. And his new album, reviewed in the current issue of Kudzu, uh, is called Deep Dark Demon. So we're going to kick things off with Mark May. And we will be right back after the song with Billy and our guests. Thanks.
Texas blues rocker out of Houston named Mark May from his album Deep Dark Demon. There's a review of the album in the new issue of Kudzu Magazine. Well, I want you to put your hands together now. <laughs> Make welcome my co-host, a man who wore a mask even before it was the thing to do, Billy Eli, and all the way from Austin, Texas, a returning guest, both musicologist and both former members of the rock band KISS, Jimmy Hemphill, <laughs> Jimmy Hemphill, Jim Hemphill, and Patrick Beats. Hi, everybody. Back, back hey, when boss. they were good. Back when they were good. How you doing? Uh, yeah. I ghosted a bunch of Aces solos. On, on <laughs> I thought you did. I, and they were saying that it was uh, Bob Kulik, but no, it yeah. was you. No, that's right. Uh, but, that's right, man. Well, the I want to say that the podcast is available more and more at different places. Uh, every week we add places, but the main ones that you can listen to, of course, Anchor is where is the main place where we create the podcast. But it's available on Apple iTunes. It's available on Spotify. For all you wacky kids that want to listen to us, it's on Spotify. Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Radio Public, etc., 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 all that good stuff. So, guys, I want to start out on the, oh, first of all, by saying, Happy Fourth of July. Hey, baby. It's the yeah, it's July. like I, like it's I said. It's the Fourth of July. Like I, I, said said in, I... I said in the intro that you didn't hear, I said in the intro that this is the special irony edition of the kudzu radio hour it's very ironic that on independence day we can't go anywhere we're locked down yeah <laughs> we're locked down. how but ironic on, is that put on a version of fourth of july and crank it it's one of the greatest songs ever love that song i woke up this morning and looked at my wife and said hey baby and she looked at me and said it's the fourth of july <laughs> i just uh, just i gotta say just yesterday i heard a version of uh of him doing that live with uh, David Hidalgo and uh, Flacco. 
Oh, it's really God, cool. I bet yeah. that was yeah. hot. Yeah, man. yeah. David's amazing. I, I, well, yeah. anybody just uh, the whole Los Lobos band just kills me. Yeah. I, I saw them in concert, and I thought, well, that's one of the greatest things I ever saw. Uh, anyway, we're gonna do our uh, our little uh, <coughs> recommendations, lockdown recommendations. Yes, folks. Each of us picks a movie, a book, and an album that we recommend in a blatant attempt to influence your tastes. That's right. So let's begin with somebody, somebody, anyone, Bueller, Bueller, Billy Eli. With, let's do you oh, first. Oh, Billy. Okay, Billy. You Say go. I want to do him first because he's, that way it throws him off. Right. That way. Yeah, he's doing that so I can't go to school on what y'all pick. Because he knows I hadn't picked anything yet. He, he, know, he knows that as much as I prepped for this was getting that bottle of tequila out of the freezer and walking in here and sitting down. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, book. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick a book that uh, was written by... Uh, I'm gonna start, first of all, uh, this week's theme, we're talking about Texas music, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to pick... Uh, a book, a movie, and an album that 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 fit this week's theme. And the book uh, I'm, I'm the book I'm going to recommend is uh, "Never Heard of Them," the book by Sue Donahoe that owned uh, her and her husband Mike owned uh, Local Flavor, which was a, a local indie record store that started in the early '90s. And the book chronicles uh, the DIY movement, it was right when technology was making it where you didn't need, you know, $50,000 to make a record. You could, you could make, a, you could get a CD out for a few hundred bucks. And there were this huge explosion of, uh, of indie bands in Texas that uh, put out a bunch of records and her and her husband, Mike had a store that sold those records. And, they wound up setting up distribution in Europe, and uh, one of uh, one of the uh, record one of the record labels me and Jim made a record for uh, came about because Sue had sent a bunch of our stuff to Europe, and uh, and for a couple of years there, it was awesome. Was a little bit ahead of the curve. Uh, I don't necessarily know about the technology part of uh, if. if people were making any more records but because of sue and mike's store uh the marketing and the distribution of the austin artists that we we enjoyed a little bit of a boost and a bit of a head start and uh she wrote a book called never heard of them and uh and it's about all these indie texas indie artists and it's i want to i want to toss out that i thought that was a very good book i thought it was a very good book and i especially enjoyed the chapter on Billy Eli. Right. Well, that, yeah, I like, that's my favorite chapter. <laughs> actually, actually, my favorite part of that whole book was, uh, was getting to hang out with guys that I had known, you know, way before anybody had enough money to make a record. And, and, uh, it, it was, it was just, uh, it was kind of fun. And there, it, it was a lot of fun. And there was, uh, kind of a sense of shared camaraderie around that, uh, around that indie scene even among bands who were whose genres were really far apart you know i mean you had you had those thrash those garage thrash bands you know like soak and amigo and and uh you had r&b you know it's kind of 
blues people like uh, Karen Tyler, and then there were bands like uh, bands like ours, and um, that was uh, that was how we uh, ended up on Dusty Records, which was the first record that uh, Jim that me and Jim made together, and that's my book, my movie. I actually I actually quit watching movies after this because uh, it proved to me that. Uh, Getting an Academy Award is all politics. The movie songwriter with Chris Christopherson and Willie Nelson. And it's, I love it because it's one of the worst movies all time. <laughs> but, but I'm pretty sure that the parts about Chris, the, Willie Nelson and Chris Christopherson play, ready for it? Two songwriters. And, it's kind of a loose i think it's kind of loosely based on their early days in the music business and getting screwed over by management and record companies and publishing companies and and uh but it, it I, I can't say it's a great movie because that that would uh that wouldn't exactly be true but it's got some great lines in it my favorite one is by chris christopherson and he says to willie nelson do you suppose man has to be a miserable son of a bitch all the time just to write a good song every once in a while? Yeah. And uh, and for an album, and this is uh, not actually one of my favorite albums, although I had it and listened to it, but it was a very influential album. Uh, Stevie, that first solo album, Stevie Ray Vaughan's Texas Flood, uh, that kind of that kind of reset and rebooted the sort of blues rock thing that that was what in the early 80s and kind of coming out of arena rock and and uh and it, yeah the, it, i think it's classified as a as a straight blues album but uh but no for for blues rock he, he kind of he kind of reinvented that sort of power trio thing with him and double trouble uh that Chris Layton and I don't, I don't remember who was the bass player. Tommy Shannon was yeah, and and I, I I knew he was in there. I wasn't sure if he was the first one or not. Anyway, uh, those are th those are my picks. Jim. Comments. Excellent picks, Billy. Excellent picks. Really good. Yeah. Lo love the pick of songwriter. It was that a roadie with meatloaf. Oh, I know. Well, where are you going for the worst movies of all time? I, I, I was a video store clerk back in the eighties, and songwriter was one of the, one of the staples there. Um, oh yeah, I remember. Red all right, blockbuster. Okay, so uh, do you care which one we do first? Record, movie. No. All right, I'm gonna do my record first, and I'm going real obscure. 1995 release from one of my favorite Austin bands. The band is the Wannabes. The album is the All album right. is called Pop Sucker. It was the <laughs> National Association of Independent Record Dealers al alternative album of the year. Uh, they started to get a little a little bit of uh, a little bit of attention, and then of course they were on a label a folk label called Deja Disc, which had some distribution problems. But if you don't live in Austin, you've probably never seen the Wannabes unless you live along I thirty five. Because every year they take a couple weeks off and drive up and down I-35 between Austin and Minneapolis playing gigs along the way. So, uh, so uh, a, a lesser known band. Had, to describe them, I mean, they're, they're most often described as pop punk. 
but don't think Blink-182 Blink or, or anything like that. More like Buzzcocks, early replacements. And these aren't guys with tattoos and mohawks. They just, they're just guys that walk in off the street but have really good record collections and make <laughs> loud music with crunchy guitars and melodies. So and, uh, they're, they're snotty. They're very, and, very yeah, snotty. And just a, just a, just a, uh, there was a guy here in Austin named Brent Grolke who, who died a few years ago, but he was one of the originators of South by Southwest. And he once said, the wannabes are everything that's great about rock and roll. And that includes some nights being too drunk and too sloppy, uh, but, but some <laughs> yeah. nights being great. And probably their most high profile achievement is to have an episode of the television show Veronica Mars named after one of their songs. Oh, oh nice. Yeah, I have, I've never seen an episode of Veronica Mars, but uh, the guy who created it's from Austin used to play in bands. And there's an episode called I Am God which is a song off of the Wannabes album, Pop Sucker, my recommended album. Uh, and the song is in the, I'm led to believe the song is actually in the episode. So Wannabes, Pop Sucker, loud, crunchy, melodic, great rock and roll record. Um, my book is the, the revised edition of Jan Reed's book, The Improbable Rise of Redneck Rock. Oh. That's a good book. Which yeah, chronicles is. the rise of the outlaw country slash cosmic cowboy scene in austin the first version was published back in the 70s uh jan did a, a revised version in 2004 you know willie nelson janice joplin jerry jeff walker doug som bj uh, billy joe shaver uh towns van zandt all those bands armadillo world headquarters it's a great story about how the the rednecks and the hippies came together and and made austin what austin is or at least was at one time and my movie, continuing with the Texas theme, Peter Bogdanovich, The Last Picture Show. Oh, yeah, man, man what a great movie. That's one it, of my favorites. It, you know, I just, what can you say about it? It's, it's a fantastic movie. It ushered in uh, one of the great decades in American movies of the 70s. It introduced uh, Jeff Bridges, Sybil Shepard. It was Sybil Shepard. Gorgeous. <laughs> Gorgeously shot in black and white, yeah. uh, set in the fifties. Lots of Hank Williams on the soundtrack, um, and a great role for Ben Johnson as, as the lion, man. Yeah, oh, Sam the lion. He Sam the lion. Yeah, so great mm -hmm. in that role, and it was only role where he wasn't like a cavalry sergeant or a cowboy. Or, yeah. You know? He liked. It. He didn't like to have to read lines. He's like, "Are there any lines here, or can I just ride a horse?" Right, uh, but and he, uh, he said he. I read a. I read a synopsis of that, and and his agent told him if you, if you will do, if you will take this role, you will win an Academy Award. <laughs> and he and he did in fact, I yeah. think, win an Academy it, Award. It was. It, it's just a a great great movie. Uh, so those are my picks. Yeah, that's better than Songwriter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Your next on the on the on the plate there. Book book uh, all over the map. True heroes in Texas music by my friend and former Austin American Statesman colleague Michael Corcoran. Uh, Corcoran was a music critic for the Statesman for a number of years, and then he wrote a gossip column. He's a total smartass. He described his critic years as. He was a roast critic. He would say the most awful things. Like there was a, there was a drummer in a band in town who played with headphones on, 
and Corcoran wrote in the paper, he's probably listening to some other band. He once just he once he once described Bruce Springsteen and the East Readers as the world's greatest wedding band. He's mean. He's vicious. He's yeah. brutal. But what he has always been and what his passion has always led him to is really ancient uh, uh, pre-war blues and gospel music, especially in Texas. And that's what this book is about, but it's all about much more than that. The thing about Texas is it's too big to be any one thing. East Texas is not Central Texas. Central Texas is not West Texas. West Texas is not the Valley. And nobody understands why the fuck we didn't give the panhandle to Oklahoma. And so we have we have room in this state for Beyonce and Willie. Right, right, yeah, exactly. A red Steagall, man. I would pay got, for that album, by the way. We've got we've got room for the Ghetto Boys and Buddy Holly and Selena and the Butthole Surfers and right. on and on and on. And this, the, the, the copy of the book, it's been through two editions. It's published by uh, University of Texas Press, and it's, it's illustrated with lots of great photographs, including many by Scott Newton, who for decades has been the photographer at Austin City Limits. And it's profiles of, if I recall, uh, 42 Texas musicians, one of whom is going to be my number one Texas musician when we get to that, uh, arranged geographically to reflect that Texas is much, much too big to be any one thing. That's my book. And Scott my Newton did that. Scott Newton did the photos in the Jan Reed book that I picked right, as well. Right, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Great, um, great photos. And uh, the movie uh, came out a couple of years ago, uh, Ethan Hawke's movie about Blaze Foley, Blaze, uh, a largely forgotten songwriter, the classic tortured, uh, brilliant Tom, talent. Tom, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who can't be a functional human being. And, uh, you know, he slept under pool tables. He slept whenever he could. And there's a, uh, the other two on the panel might know this, but Michael, you may not. There's a trash hauling company in Austin called BFI. And sometimes Blaze would like actually sleep in dumpsters. And people used to say BFI stands for Blaze Foley inside. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a wonderful movie about a tortured soul with an enormous amount of talent. But it's not a perfect movie. And uh, one of the best things about it is Charlie Sexton as Towns Van Zandt. When I heard he had been cast as Towns, I thought, well, I can totally, totally see that. And I was, I was only around Towns a few times, but, but Charlie, I thought Charlie was going to try to get by uh, just on his amazing stunt cheekbones in this movie. But he just inhabits the physicality and the the vocal tics and the mannerisms of town so it's it's really good it's not absolutely one of my top 10 movies but it's well worth a look especially if uh any of y'all's listeners haven't been sufficiently introduced to blaze foley aside from uh hearing merle haggard cover if only i could fly and lucinda do drunken angel which is about him Record, another semi-obscure local Austin choice. A few years ago, there was this great, great band called East Cameron Folk Corps. And uh, to be honest, I don't know what happened to them. For a while, they were the best band in town. And they were, uh, how do I say this? They were, they were like 
if the clash had grown up in america more of a rock band than a punk band and they had a cello player wow they were they were angry populists and the record is called for sale the cover photo of that album is they went to the texas state capitol which is guarded by dps troopers and they put a for sale sign on the capitol grounds and dps troopers came up and said yeah you can't do that and they said that's the point you know the legislature is for sale they're, they were very they were or are i don't even know very very angry populace they have a song called sally may uh they're screaming <laughs> you know they're screaming about student loans uh the for sale album begins with the uh the speech that uh the sds leader mario savio gave at berkeley in 1964 about when when the machine becomes too odious you have no choice but to stand up and fight to not fight is to give in yada 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 that begins the album and then they start screaming about how messed up everything else is <laughs> and of course because everybody likes to talk about how really really great austin was before your carpetbagging ass got to town they've got a song called what happened to my city and so that's my album east cameron folk core for sale uh before we move further jim you, your band was the wannabes and yes. patrick, patrick just brought that up about austin used to be great before you're sorry carpet bag and ass didn't the wannabes have a t-shirt that said we're from austin and on the back it said don't move don't it's, move here i, I still it just move here. it just yes. it says yes. the front says wannabes austin texas and the back just said don't move here don't they move did, here. they did those specially for south by southwest don't so so all the people so people could wear them during south by still have mine yeah i knew I, I, the first one i ever saw was that one you wore yeah well i get to do mine yeah uh we'll start with the album uh, but I want, as a as a prelude to it i want to say that uh last week i had mentioned this great album by gregson and collister called a change in the weather and i had also said on that show that that was the only album i had heard by them um just wanted to say that by since then i have located the 1987 album called mischief and it's equally uh, good. I, I just think that Christine Collister has one of the strongest voices, and, and of course Clive Gregson on vocals and guitar is fantastic. And there's two other albums they did together, and I'm gonna try and find both of those. Two. Wait, 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 Buff. I thought I thought we were doing Texas. I, are you you want to talk about import records now? No, well, I didn't say that these had to be Texas at all. Uh -uh. No, I didn't say that your favorites had to be Texas. Y'all took that upon yourself. Mine are not. Uh, I figure there's enough Texas to talk about for days. Uh, boy, is there ever. Uh, my album that I'm picking is also far from Texas. It's my one of my favorite vocalists is Maria McKee of lone justice and one of her solo albums is called you gotta sin to, sin get, to saved. get saved what a fantastic album and there's songs on there like my sad lonely eyes and i'm gonna soothe you i just found my uh recorded interview uh, i did with her 
on a very, very, very long ago episode of the Kudzu Radio Hour, and I'm going to like, I found, I re- realized I had never transcribed it. It's a great interview. And she talks about her brother that was in the band Love. Love, yeah. And all this kind of stuff. And she's just, man, she just tears me up. Her vocal style, everything about her. Okay. Books also feeding off of a previous uh, discussion we had on one of the shows where we talked about my hero and yours, Lester Bangs. The uh, follow-up to Psychotic Reactions and Carburetor Dung is my book this week. It's called Main Lines, Blood Feast, and Bad Taste, (laughs) edited by John Morthland. Great, great stories. There's one in there where he's hanging out in Macon, Georgia, with Wet Willie, Jimmy Hall and Wet Willie and everything. There's one where he talks about Stevie Nicks and her Belladonna, and, uh, you know, he gets on this whole thing about she can't really be a witch because a witch would never wear those stacked heels that she's wearing on her <laughs> on her album cover. Uh, he talks about David Johansson. And for some reason, he did a whole thing praising how great Anne Murray is. She can't sing. Oh, yeah. But he's talking about, he said, she's got a huge lesbian audience, he said. But believe me, he said, she, she, she's not. She's a, you know, she's a, I mean, he goes into great detail about things that he wanted to do to Ann Murray. But, um, <laughs> uh, Man, he also has a great be, piece. That such a good name for a record. Things I want to do. <laughs> things I want to do to Ann Murray. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, here uh, now, she's got, she's got dementia. Like, yeah. Take it easy. Well, that's right. So, okay, it's politically incorrect then to talk, and talk about and, and I'm just not even going to say what I'm thinking. The, uh, and there's, there's a piece in Lester's book um, where he talks about Austin, Texas. And the time he spent there uh, hooked up with a band called the Delinquents. And uh, he was playing with them out there. So, anyway... That's it. That's the book. Uh, like I say, it's called uh, Main Lines, Blood Feast, and Bad Taste. My movie, in keeping with my Lester theme, is almost famous. Of course. The uh, yeah, uh, Another one of my favorite writers was Cameron Crowe. And uh, uh, when he wrote for Rolling Stone, the youngest reporter they ever had there. So it's kind of a semi-autobiographical movie of uh cameron and uh and the band and it is kind of like a an amalgamation of the almond brothers zeppelin and the eagles kate hudson is really uh really cute as penny lane the groupie and philip seymour hoffman really captures the essence of lester bangs i believe so that's it that's almost famous that's uh one of my all-time favorite movies and one of the great things about that movie is um as someone who went to a lot of you know arena rock concerts in the 70s they captured that vibe so perfectly in some of the concert scenes of what it was like i mean it is the did. sound and everything it was it was it was well done yeah the whole uh yeah uh, they did the same with the backstage and all that stuff is i mean it's, it's real about as real as it can get um well good uh so uh as we get ready to talk about Texas music, 
I don't want to make this all about me, but I'm going to make this all about me for a minute. Um, I wanted to run down a couple of Texas memories because I'm from South Carolina. And going to Texas is a big freaking deal. Uh, I had gone out there three times for South by Southwest, which is a whole show waiting to happen for us. There's a, a flew out there, as some of you know, especially two of you, to record an album with Billy and Jim. <laughs> right. And uh, that was quite an experience. We had a Joey Parrish and I just had more fun than people should be allowed. Well, that, was a, that was a good weekend. Man. It was a lot of fun. My family used to drive across the country every other summer to my dad's family is in San Jose, California. And we would always go through, yes, the panhandle <laughs> that they did not give to Oklahoma. Even though there, I think there is a petition being formed yeah. right now. <laughs> through Amarillo. And, you know, yeah. as a young kid, I thought, I used to say to my dad, wow, it's a long way across Texas, and that was the panhandle. <laughs> I had no earthly idea that that place was bigger than a planet. I later found out, much later I found out. Um, uh, another, just a couple other quick things. When I went out to Seattle to play the White Horse Music, White Horse Mountain Music Festival, I flew, and of course we had a layover, and you guessed it, Houston. Oh, nice. Anyone who hasn't experienced the Houston airport has not lived or died. <laughs> I uh, I went or running. One <laughs> gate, the gate that I landed at was like on the other side of the planet, away from the one where I was to catch the next plane in five minutes. So I was running, not unlike O.J. Simpson, through the airport, but other than being a whole lot fatter, I was hustling through there going, out of the way, out of the way, out of the way. And people were like, clear. It was like watching the Red Sea part. I'm running out. I run out, and they're closing up the door. I went running down onto the tarmac, and they're starting to pull the stairs away and i'm like no no stop stop houston houston we have a problem and i was like i was like let my buffalo butt on here so we got barely made it okay that was a beautiful thing but the biggest one of all was in a turn of the century when my lovely wife and i went out uh we flew out to port arthur for the Millennium Concert on, on the, you know, as we were turning over into the 21st century. Is that what it was? The 21st? Yeah, the 21st yeah, and, century. Yeah. I always get mixed up. That's the one. Yeah, that which one. Did not, which did not start until 2001. So, right. Yeah, of course. Exactly. I, I, would, I would like to interject here. Out of anywhere you could have went to bring in the new Millennium, Okay, you but there's the guy, a re- you chose the goddamn Beaumont Port Arthur. <laughs> yeah, and this is why because Man, I, we just, were. This is why. Go to Walmart in Spartanburg. This is why. <laughs> this is why. We were both huge fans of Edgar and Johnny Winter. Uh, and okay. They yeah. were putting together a show in Port Arthur. Yeah. 
a Millennium concert reuniting white trash with Jerry LaCroix singing, Rick Derringer, Johnny right. Winter, and a hip cat named Chris Duarte opened the show. And uh, we flew out there, and you remember the Y2K scare? Yeah, well, they, they were like the planes going. To, you know, we're flying on a plane on a plane that held twenty people between uh, from Houston to uh, Port oh Arthur my. or whatever. Fucking bum And it's just flying like you know, it's like being in a paper glider. Yeah. yeah. We, we finally got there. Okay, we finally got there, and we're at the airport. And I see the newspaper <laughs> concert canceled. Oh, I'm like, what? The? Ah. Well, actually, it was just rescheduled because Bill Clinton, that's right, Bill Clinton, <laughs> Bill Clinton decided he wanted to have a show with all these great rock stars. And one of them was Edgar Winter. He was going to play with John Fagerty, Slash, and all them for the Millennium concert. And he was gonna smoke a cigar while they played, but uh, the uh, they um, <laughs> sorry about that. Anyway, he uh, so Edgar went, but okay that night in the Port Arthur Holiday Inn lounge, Jerry Lacroix and his band played, and uh, every, and had on a huge screen TV. They had that concert playing from Washington. And they kept the sound off, but every time Edgar would come on, whatever we were doing, we would all stop and applaud Edgar playing the sax. And everybody got ticked because they kept putting everybody's names up under the, on the screen, but they never once put Edgar Winter's name. <laughs> John Fogarty, slash, John Fogarty, slash, John Fogarty. Where's Edgar's name? Uh, he's just some guy with white hair. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that night I ended up, Jerry LaCroix brought me up. And his guitar player handed me this 57 Strat and said, want to jam? And I'm like, oh, dude, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I ended up playing uh, blues with Jerry LaCroix singing Stormy Monday and Red House and a bunch of stuff. It's still very surreal. That was 15 minutes into the new millennium. Now that all that's been said, I will say that there are more artists from texas than anywhere in the world <laughs> i mean when i was doing grits magazine years ago i got in touch with the texas arts council or whatever they said they said we're going to send you a contact book a thing about media and um, radio and television and it's got a list of all the bands Yep. This thing came that looked like a daggum Los Angeles phone book. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was the governor's council on music and art. Yeah, my gosh, yeah. I was like, wow, amazing. Now it's, now it's the, now it's called the Texas Music Office. <laughs> so, okay. now, like I say, there are so many people, so many artists. What we're going to do here is just kind of let each of us say, I guess, you know, I hate to try and narrow it down, but we'll narrow it down to five like your five favorite of any genre starting with Jim Hawk. starting with Jim. All right. Well, my five are going to be artists that I think, you know, kind of reflect Texas. 
I, uh, to be honest with you, I probably listen to, you know, stuff like the Wannabes or Spoon or something more than some of these artists, but, but these are the ones that, you know, I've been in Texas now 30 years, and these are the ones that I've come to, to think of as, as real Texas. And it's a hard, it was hard to get them down uh, to five, but oh, my yeah. number, I'm going to start with, I mean, these are in no particular order, but I'm going to start with the one that I think everyone uh, thinks is obvious, and that's Willie Nelson. Because, oh, yeah. I mean, the breadth of what that guy is is able to do on a level that very few people reach is is stunning you know one of the most underrated guitar players anywhere he oh is yeah a really fantastic yeah. guitar player uh you know and of course he's a great songwriter his and he's he's also a great singer his the, the way he phrases is so unique and it drives some people up the wall but uh, I think I th it's very heavily influenced by jazz, uh, as is his guitar. That's his guitar yeah. That's what I was going to say. And, and he's just, you know, you know, if they're, you know, Willie is the man. Willie is just, he's, he's fantastic. Uh, you got to, you got to, you got to mention oh, him. Oh, yeah. And next is Buddy Holly. Uh, I oh, mean, that'll be the you day. know. But uh, you know, Buddy Holly, it's it's incredible. I wish the I wish the Buddy Holly story were a better movie. You know, when 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 he's playing a Telecaster, you just gotta shake your head and say, "What <laughs> in the hell?" Uh, but uh, yeah, they mailed that in. Didn't he, they? he did so much uh, in such a short time, uh, and had such wide ranging influence. I mean, a huge is obviously huge influence on the Beatles huge influence on on everything that came after him he was he was rock and roll he was rockabilly he was country he was uh countrypolitan before there was such a thing i mean just amazing amazing creative stuff that oh, he yeah. did uh and having been from lubbock which is not the panhandle but is the south plains you gotta get people in lubbock don't like it if you call it the panhandle even though it seems like it's the panhandle to me but anyway so buddy holly uh you know and i figured we got to have we got to have a blues artist because there's so many great blues artists from texas and my choice is t-bone walker uh but you could you could choose any number lead belly uh gate mouth brown gate mouth brown yeah. is oh yeah speaking of isn't he from beaumont or port arthur he's from orange yeah orange. okay well close enough um, where the where the sun shines on Texas first. <laughs> That's what the science is. And it's 876 miles to El Paso or whatever the hell it <laughs> I is. I have a it's, picture of that sign. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the, my next one is Doug Som. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you he's know on my, he's on my list too. I figured he might be on Billy's list because. Yeah, I did too. From the Sir Douglas Quintet to the <clears throat> Texas Tornadoes to his solo stuff, you know, he was, you know, when I when I think of Texas music, I probably think of him before anyone else or Austin music. Yeah, but such such a legend and such, you know, he 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 did the Tex-Mex thing. You know, it was hilarious to listen now to the Sir Douglas Quintet stuff and think that you know they were trying to portray them as. And British invasion, <laughs> right? Right. Because they're so Texas, they're so Tex-Mex, and you know, it's just how could anyone listen to that and think it was from anywhere but Texas? Uh, and he barely lived in Austin, and there's a hill in Austin named Doug Som yeah. Hill. Right. <laughs> yeah. And there's a uh, there's a housing development on Grover Street 
called Grover's Paradise because he had oh, a record called Grover's, Grover's Paradise. Yeah. So uh, that's pretty. And then my last one, uh, when you talk about rock and roll bands from Texas, it's got to be ZZ Top. Oh. Uh, to me, uh, Tres Hombres and Fandango are the ultimate Texas rock records. That's right. Just those two records, just man. I, I mean, and I, you know, I, I, I listened to them when they were new, uh, and to this day, that's that's Texas rock and roll to me. That, that, big, that Fandango record, man, is just so damn good. That it is. big, it thick is. guitar, big thick guitar tone and. Both singers had those drawling lyrics, and, and 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 that thing was like a bullet out of a damn gun, yeah, man. Yeah. They came out and started with Thunderbird, and I mean, it just it hit you in the head, and it just kept hitting you. Yeah, everybody get high. And so you know, and so I stuck pretty much to you know, you know, I, Texas music has a lot more diversity than 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 those five picks, you of know. Course. Ornette Coleman, uh, Selena, Beyonce, uh, you know, you could go with a lot of, a lot of other stuff, but this is, you know, this is the stuff that, uh, that I think of, and we're, we're talking about being more personal here. So those are the, the those are the things that, uh, those are the bands that yeah, I it's think supposed to be, you're supposed to be picking uh, your own personal things. I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. just trying and, to say an overall, you know, like an overall five best is almost impossible. Exactly. I will say exactly. that, uh, when you mentioned, ZZ Top. It flashed me back to '73, and when I bought that Trace Ombres album at Kmart and opened it up, and that gatefold with all that Mexican food, I was yeah, like, "Heck yeah. yeah, man! I like this." And then the first time I heard Beer Drinkers and Hell Ragers, I was like, "Man, that's as good as it gets, man! I love that." That Crank was the up. very first time Jim ever impressed me playing guitar. We were talking about that. I said, you know, probably my favorite song on there is Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers. And he and he could play that opening like, oh, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. I was like, why? Yeah. You knew that you had a friend for life. Well, I, yeah, yeah. I, I knew he had listened to some. I knew he had listened to some serious rock and roll. He knew that. Oh, my gosh. We used to play that in a band. I, uh, uh, had with Joey and we would uh you know two of us was back and forth on the vocals and I just man I just dearly loved singing it and I loved it the two times that I saw them ZZ live I saw them on that tour where they had all the animals on the stage and then I saw them later when they did the El Loco and they oh, were that was the worldwide Texas tour with the buzzards yeah. and all yeah the all the animals tons of animals and- and then later on, when they played with Grand Funk and it was the El Loco, they had all these lasers up in the air over you, uh, and and the lasers were creating images of like, uh, I don't know, barnyard animals and uh, all kinds of stuff, man. It's like way above, oh yeah, oh yeah, and uh, way enough, above uh, and beyond the Call of Duty as far as entertaining. If you're uh, if your lonely heart listeners are looking for another great music movie to watch, the documentary that came out on Netflix. Oh uh, yeah, 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 it is yeah, good. That is yeah. check it it's out. Really that's good. good. Yeah, I've yeah. got it right here on the Blu-ray. Man, that's good. I've watched it like three times, but I just I don't know. I'm a big fan. Okay, anyway, <clears throat> next up, Patrick. Well, I gotta tell you, uh, I gotta. I got to say a few things. I'm going to cheat on this 
I'm gonna I'm gonna use one spot for two people. Okay. I'm gonna give you a little astronomy lesson since it's been so long since you've been in school, and I get to tell Jim he's wrong. <laughs> okay. Here's the astronomy lesson. Willie Nelson <clears throat> is the sun. Willie Nelson <laughs> is what every other celestial orbit or celestial object orbits around. Okay. So yeah. he's off the list. He he stupidly gave up a spot for Willie because that's just assumed. He's Saint Willie. So there's <laughs> Willie. Okay. Now on to my five, which is gonna be more like seven. <laughs> Number one. Of course. Number one, T Bone fucking Walker. There is no way. There is no way. He is the wellspring for every bit of music, every bit of popular music we've been listening to for the past 70 years. He is the wellspring for this deep and rich and wide river. Everybody has stolen from him, and I'll tell you why. He was born in 1910 in the Oak Cliff neighborhood of Dallas, Texas, which coincidentally is where the Vaughn brothers grew up. And he was among the first, but not the very first, to record electric guitar on a record he left dallas when he was 15 years old to apprentice in bands and back then bands thought this uh electric guitar thing was just a complete fad so he said to hell with it i'm gonna go front my own band and he was this is this is debatable but he was among the first people to front a band with an electric guitar so many great songs you know stormy monday everybody knows that oh. but uh but uh and he was he was the very first at so many things he was the very first to do like these double time leads like he would state the lead and then you would double time it he was among the first to bend two notes at once and he played uh uh with the guitar sort of at a 45 degree angle from his body which you learn from blind lemon jefferson and he learned that from lemon because he used to lead lemon around and take him to play and he apprenticed with charlie christian a little bit t-bone was playing electric blues in chicago in 1942 before muddy waters got to town like a year before it is positively indisputable that that uh this this music that we listen to especially anything relating to blues would have existed in its recognizable form without t-bone he made up a bunch of stuff he also made up incredible showmanship he played behind his back you know he was doing this duck walk that that chuck berry co-opted and without t-bone we wouldn't have chuck berry we wouldn't have rock and blue rock and rock and roll and uh we wouldn't have blues rock there's a direct line between t-bone and jimmy vaughn and stevie vaughn sitting in that same damn neighborhood in oak cliff listening to t-bone walker records and trying to figure out how he did that and where he got that tone and his tone apparently was amazing there's very few uh film clips of t-bone performing but apparently he could just like hit a note and give it a little vibrato and all the women's panties would hit the juke joint floor you know i mean oh. he just he just had it going on he just had it going on. Wow. That is number one. That is and not, one. it wasn't it wasn't just the duck walk. His playing was a huge influence on Chuck oh, Berry as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
and Chuck uh, Berry, who gets my vote for the king of rock and roll, but that's right. another that's another story. <laughs> that's another well, show. That's, we'll, <laughs> that's that's something else you're wrong about. Chuck uh, Berry invented <laughs> Chuck Berry invented the idea of rock and roll, but T Bone, I mean, there, there is no, no way I, there is <laughs> there's there's a the the beginning of uh, Michael Corcoran's book. There's a chapter on T Bone Walker and. Of course, T-Bone died in 1974, and so Corcoran goes to interview Jimmy Vaughn, and uh, he's sitting in Jimmy Vaughn's office, and he says, hey, Jimmy, describe the importance of T-Bone Walker's guitar playing in music, and he says, Jimmy looked at me like I asked an Olympic swimmer to describe the importance of water in Olympic <laughs> swimming. <laughs> That's Corcoran. Number two, I got to cheat. Number two are Jimmy and Stevie. Uh, just phenomenal guitar players, both very, very different. Uh, Jimmy likes to say that uh, Jimmy taught little brother how to play, and little brother taught big brother how to get sober. And they're so completely different guitar players. I sure wish I could remember who said this, but it was a long time ago. Somebody described the difference between Jimmy and Stevie as the difference between Playboy and Hustler. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Put a gun to my head. I guess I'm a Hustler guy. <laughs> oh. Number three, uh, Towns and Guy. Two uh, non-blues related songwriters, uh, two completely different personalities, both kind of wrecked in their own different way. But Guy Clark wrote every single day and he built guitars every single day he was in town. And he had an enormous amount of discipline, and you can see it in his songs. So many great songs. I was quoting lines from... Uh, Homegrown Tomatoes to a friend yesterday and, and uh, L.A. Freeway and on and on and on. Towns, another heartbreaking songwriter tragedy and tremendously undisciplined. But uh, he knew he was not going to live that long. And he knew he wanted to live behind some great songs. And by God, he sure did. <clears throat> so I'm cheating. I should only pick one more. I got to go with Gatemouth, too. Gatemouth was <laughs> far east Texas, uh, multi-instrumentalist, played a mean fiddle, had that, uh, you remember that, that guitar he played that had that uh, leather cut uh, yeah. thing? And, uh, yeah, he was an all-around talent, to be sure. Maybe not the best songs, but a fantastic performer. And great, of course, great, great player, man. I'm great, yeah. fit, great fiddle and guitar player. Yes, man. yeah, 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 and a really good performer. Yeah. So uh, I've uh, exhausted my number limit and probably my time limit, Michael. Well, uh, no, your time limit was exhausted 30 minutes ago, but that's okay. Uh, I mean, you did want to talk about T Bone, and that's fine. We could we could do a whole show on T Bone. The uh, such a talent. The um, but when you mentioned the uh, um, Gatemouth, I flashed back to my radio days back in the seventies. Uh, there was an album that I had gotten in that was Roy Clark and Gatemouth Brown. T 
together. Oh, wow. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and they had a song I played on the air a lot called Caledonia, What Make Your Big Head So Hard? <laughs> Caledonia. And boy, the guitar magic on that between Roy and Gatemouth. I wish I still had it, or maybe I can find it somewhere online. I don't know. But anyway, um, we'll go ahead and let Billy, you go ahead, and then I'll wrap mine. I'll put mine on last. Okay. Be a gentleman for once. Well, I didn't. Uh, I didn't rank these in any particular order. Mick Jagger. And and I didn't. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm reading that list at the end. That's my. That's my uh, All Star Lone Star list. Yeah. That's a. That's a. That's a tribute to the Kevin and Kevin show. Oh. But, okay. uh, but uh, and I. I didn't actually pick favorites so much as I picked. Uh, I picked, uh, you know, artists because they forged the style or, you know, were instrumental in a particular thing. And uh, I'm going to start with Dobie Gray. Remember him that did Drift Lord, Away? Lord, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was, yeah, he was, he was from Houston. And uh, it, he was one of the first guys to, to kind of bridge uh true r&b with pop you know i mean it yeah. was uh, uh and and uh just great great voice i picked doug psalm like uh doug psalm was would have been at the top of my list and yeah and jim had that right he he knows i'm a huge fan of uh of doug's work and all the uh all the different all the different genres that he covered you were talking about the text mix thing then you listen to something like a Sunday, uh, Sunday, sunny Mill Valley Groove Day, and that's like a psychedelic sunshine mm-hmm. pop mm-hmm. tune, you know, with all the la 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 la. <laughs> so, um, I didn't pick anybody. I didn't pick anybody from that uh, redneck rock or cosmic cowboy uh, genre too much, and. If I were going to pick somebody, it would probably be Willie Nelson. But like Pat said, I didn't put him on the list because, duh. (laughs) He is the list, yeah. Right. I mean, it's like, yeah, he's, yeah, he's the, he's the wellspring, you know. uh, But. Yeah, it's like, it's like saying, who's your favorite saint? And you say, Jesus. Right. like, what? (laughs) But uh, but I understand why Jim put it on there, so I'm not going to rag on him. Hey, I had to go first, and I had to right lay lay that out there. Now, so now here is uh, y'all remember the period in the early in the late seventies, early eighties of the urban cowboy country phenomenon oh, yeah, and all the yeah. slick country bands, and so many of those bands were just they were they were not good, and uh, but. There was a guy from uh, there was a guy from out in Valley somewhere, a guy named Mundo Earwood, and he had a he had a two or three country hits that were huge hits, and his hits were just crap. I, I didn't care for his hits, but I had two of his albums. Man, and his B sides were great. You know, it was like it was like he had a he had like his music life, and then when he went to Nashville to make a record, they they wouldn't let him pick his they picked his his uh, material and, and his uh, musicians for him. But uh, 
I saw him play live a couple times and a bass player that me and Jim have worked with, a guy named Mark Pepper played with him for a long time. And, uh, and um, Mundo's got a, he's dead now, but he, he was a, he was almost a really big deal for about 30 minutes. And then that urban cowboy thing kind of faded and uh, he dropped off a map and I never did hear anything from him again. But uh, as, as far as those, sort of Houston-esque urban cowboy kind of bands. He was, uh, I, I thought his was, was more, his was better than a, a lot of the ones that were bigger than him. And uh, so uh, that's three. And uh, for my fourth one, Michael Nesman. Yeah. And, you know, again, uh, the monkeys, obviously, but uh, my favorite stuff to his was, uh, that country stuff that he did after that with the first national band with him mm -hmm. in red roads on pedal steel guitar. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I have a lot of that stuff on my playlist now because, uh, well, as y'all know, I really liked it. I really like country rock. So, <laughs> um, and, and number one, I, I don't know, man, that's, that's kind of tricky. I'm going to pick, uh, Austin guy that, was funny because for years I, I did not like his stuff very much. Uh, Alejandro Escovedo. And about 20 years ago, you know, there was a time he was in Austin. He was a good guy. He was doing so much different stuff and it was kind of hard to keep up with. And, um, but uh, over the last 15 years, I've really grown to appreciate, you know, how good he is at what he does. He's a great player, great performer. Uh, he makes a really good record. He's a good songwriter. Uh, from the, I first heard about him in the True Believers, and then later, uh, was, what was that cow punk band he was in? Jim rank and rank, file. Rank and file. Yeah, mm -hmm. I had a, I had a, I had a copy. Somebody gave me a, a copy of that album, and I, and that was kind of when I started liking him. And I was like, oh yeah, I didn't know he'd done. I didn't know he'd done anything like this. You know he's got a uh, he's got a real. I mean, there, you you can hear the country influence even in his trashy punk stuff. You know. So, anyway, right. them them are my five, and you read yours, Buffalo, and then I want to read the Master Lone Star list. Those are I, I I just got two things to say about Billy's picks. First of all, great great call on Alejandro, and don't get me started on Nesmith, or else I'll get into the how Michael Nesmith is more important than Graham Parsons. Which is would piss a lot of people well, off. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'm a huge, a huge, huge Nesmith fan. It would it's, not piss me off. I even agree with it. Now it's 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 worse than that. Jim has a theory that Michael Nesmith invented punk rock. No, but no, no. I it's that the Monkees' headquarters was the first punk rock album. Uh, I revised that now to to make it. It was the first alt country album. Uh, Either one can be argued, but right. uh, we, won't, we won't get into that. Well, one of the Not, great things about Dan Smith, too, I mean, there's a lot to be said about him um, as just as a, a creative. But, uh, you know, what I understand, he kind of like ushered in music videos when he did mm -hmm. Elephant Parts. Mm -hmm. he, yeah. he was a pioneer of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. And it was it him that had the uh, family member that did... Uh, what was it? Velcro? White or out. White out. White out. White out. White out. Yeah. yeah. Something his, that his, made millions. I don't yeah, know. His, his mother invented it. His mother was a secretary. 
and invented it. And uh, just think if they if they had computers back then, she would it wouldn't have been necessary. That's and right. he he also <laughs> launched he also was instrumental in launching uh, Michael Martin Murphy. They had yeah. known each other yeah. from from high school. Oh, yeah. uh, that's, that's how interesting. My list of five is a list of six, uh, because I the first one. I shouldn't put these two together. I should not put these two. They each one deserve their own spot, but I'm going to say the guys that influenced me the most as a teenager, probably more than anybody, is Edgar and Johnny Winter from Beaumont, Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, Johnny, as uh, when I first heard of Johnny, I had no idea that he had aspirations of being a black blues man <laughs> i mean he really did and he had done that with his first albums but i didn't hear his first albums when i first heard him was um when he did the trio of records in the 70s still alive and well saints and sinners and john dawson winter the third straight up rock and roll so i became a diehard fan and then later i followed him throughout his entire career up until up until the day he died and i still i still like my old johnny records edgar on the other hand was a whole different animal and uh from the they only come out at night frankenstein free ride and all that but wrote some of the most beautiful songs like dying to live and um one called uh diamond eyes and um oh my gosh just so much so uh like i said earlier we went out to um texas to see Edgar and he when they canceled that show the night of uh New Year's Eve they rescheduled it for the next night but it was Johnny wasn't there or Rick Derringer wasn't there it was it was Edgar and Jerry LaCroix and a couple of the original guys from the White Trash Horns but it was really good uh Edgar and Johnny Winter my other one uh from Port Arthur Texas is a girl named Janice Joplin Choice. Who I just always loved and still dearly love. I just can't. I've read about every book there's been put out about her. Was uh, I think Patrick's like working out with weights or something. He's, I think he's getting a beer out of the fridge and it's loud. That's a loud ass beer, isn't it? The, uh, there you go. There you go. Oh yeah. Now, now pop the top. Billy used to do the our radio show and the. To start every show, he would put the thing up to the microphone and pop the top. Poop! You know, it was like, all right, cool. Uh, my third one is a guy named Waylon Jennings. Mm. And, uh, I mean, you talk about Willie Nelson? Yes. Got to talk about Waylon, too. Way more. Uh, this uh, guy that I know that was a mutual friend of mine and Billy's, he, he made me a thumb took a thumb drive and he put every record that Waylon ever every album Waylon ever recorded on that thumb drive. He had de he had and, demos, man. Demos. I mean, it, it's from, just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds from the from the fifties, man. Like like his first demos. Yeah, it's cool yeah. stuff though. I mean, it's like I I've listened to some of it, but I'm more into the Waylon of the seventies. You know, uh, Jim Jim knows who you're talking about. He's talking about widgets. Oh yeah, the Widgemaster. Uh, yeah, and course. I don't know if y'all know this man. He's in hospice. No, that's a sad. Didn't know. I 
I thought he was headed that way. I haven't heard from him. Yeah, he, yeah, the, the dementia or something, I don't know, man. Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, well, that's, well, I just took the wind out of my list when you said that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Now, all of a sudden, I feel like I can't talk about this. No, my, I just keep watching Pat over here. He's just having a ball. Here, here's what you got to remember, Buff. If you were in hospice with him, he'd be talking I'm... about you. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, sort of. I'm not, I'm not feeling too good myself. Oh, well, see, they, uh, Gilbert McClinton. <laughs> feeling all right. Yeah. <laughs> Not food to good myself. Uh, my next one, I've got two more because there are five. My <laughs> next one is a guy named Marvin Lee a day, better known as Meatloaf, who uh, has given me lots and lots of sheer joy with his music, his concerts, songs that he co-wrote with Jimmy Steinman. Just... Uh, amazing operatic rock kind of things and uh great 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 concerts just great what a showman great actor everything improv artist so meat you know i love you gotta love your meat <laughs> oh just make your own jokes people I'll, i'm gonna sit here and let you make yeah your jo if they okay, want jokes they're gonna have to make their own they're gonna have because i'm not, not going there <laughs> i'm not whipping out my meatloaf for just anybody no especially at trying times like these yeah, you gotta yeah that's right you gotta keep your meatloaf yeah. to yourself yeah. I, I think yeah. it's important to not let your meat your meatloaf well i know <laughs> it, yeah 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 okay who's your who's your number one buff billy joe shaver waco texas because one of the greatest songwriters ever, 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 when he wrote the Honky Tonk Heroes album that Waylon did, when he wrote, uh, he had the old five and dimers. And, uh, I, I like that album. What a great man. God almighty. What a great writer. And I get to hang out with him. When he wrote, I wasn't born no yesterday. I wasn't born no yesterday. I wasn't born no yesterday. One of the greatest moments of my life was uh, being at South by Southwest in the green room with all the artists. And there's a bar there. They had put a bar and some bar stools. So I'm sitting there. And <laughs> this is the truth. So help me God. I'm sitting beside Tony Joe White. And we're drinking beers. And Tony Joe's like, what you drinking, Buffalo? You know, he talks like that. What you drinking, Buffalo? I said, it's beer. He said, well, yeah, but what kind? I said, coal. <laughs> a coal. It's cold. It's cold. <laughs> it's just, all of a sudden, here comes Shaver and sits on my other side. <clears throat> Michael Buffalo, how you doing today? It's red in the face, you know. Red as a pickle beet, man. It already been hit the bar a few times. So he goes up here and gets a beer. We're sitting there. And, uh, <laughs> Tony Joe White says, uh, your whole name's Michael Buffalo Smith, right? I said, yeah. He goes, are you going to have to change that? I said, really? He goes, yeah, you need to change it to Buffalo Joe Smith so it can be Tony Joe 
Billy Joel, uh, and Buffalo, uh, Buffalo Michael Beach. Buffalo Bowl Joe. And well, I'm like, so I had a laugh and another beer. That's why, what that's why it's easy top. Cold. That's why ZZ Top is called ZZ Top. You know, they looked at all these blues acts they were they loved. You know, BB King. You know, yada yada yada. It was always like two syllables and then one. You know. Hey, I want to do this real quick. This is because I just I feel like if I don't, I've wasted my time. I'm gonna run down a laundry list of Texas artists and then y'all add to it. Oh, just good. sort of like a. <laughs> Okay, I already said Waylon. Chris Christopherson, we already talked about. Roy Orbison, Kinky Friedman, Meatloaf, Edgar Johnny Winter, Janis Joplin, Shaver, Towns Van Zandt, yes, Freddie Fender, the first to ever record bilingual, well, the first biggest hit to do bilingual records. Mr. Lead Belly, yes. Mm. And no matter who's in Austin, Bob Wills is still the king. He's from Oklahoma. Well, that's all right. Well, it says, it says sorry, 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 man, but he's smoking. Well, it says it says it says different in his uh okay his bog. So anyway, okay, the Dixie Chicks who are now called the Chicks, uh, Kelly uh, Clarkson, Kelly Clarkson, Sam the Sham, Edie Brickell of New Bohemians, Jerry Jeff Walker, Nora Jones, daughter of Ravi Shankar, and a very cute girl. Seals and Crofts, yeah, we talked about them before. <laughs> Michael Nesmith, whoa, yeah, Guy Clark. Charlie Christian of the Benny Goodman Orchestra, yeah. Mm-hmm. What a guitar picker. Mm-hmm. King Curtis, who was one of Dwayne Allman's biggest heroes, sax player. Yeah. Charlie Pride, kissing Angel, good morning. Buzz Gag, Steve Miller, Lyle Levitt, yeah, you gotta love Lyle. You gotta love it, Lyle. Delbert McClinton, Lightning Hopkins, Big Mama Thornton, one of my favorites. Yeah. I love Big Mama. I even wrote a song called I Want a Woman Like Big Mama Thornton. Gene Autry, woohoo. Dale Evans, woo, yeah, you gotta love her. Billy Preston, ah, nothing from nothing. Ray Benson, Sleep at the Wheel, you gotta love him. Big time. Don Henley, you don't have to love him. Um, Ernest Tubb. <laughs> Buck Owens, Barry White, oh baby, baby, uh, the great butthole surfers. Yeah, man, what a band. Stephen Stills, Sly Stone, and I'm always stoned Sly. Uh, Omar and the Howlers, how about that? Mark Border, Border Girl. Yeah, Mark May. Albert Collins Blues. ZZ still rules. Christoph's already said that. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Oh, who else can you think of that missing needs to be on an, missing a, a Missing a very, very big one. Actually, two very, very big ones. Selena. Yeah. 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 I'm... Selena Gomez? Mm, no. no. <laughs> so, and also, so... and also uh, this season's losers. <laughs> <laughs> What? I was gonna, I was gonna say any of the bands that any of us play. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I was gonna just button it all up right there, man. Any of the bands that any of us play. <laughs> Billy Eli Band, This Season's Losers, The Footnotes, uh, of course, uh, uh, Rocky Erickson. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, man. Wow, yeah. I can't believe I spaced that all. R- Ray Price. 
Yeah. Oh, what a uh, voice. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about instrumentalist Bobby Keys, who yeah, played, boy, he's, man. He's from Odessa or somewhere. He's, he? I think, Lubbock. He's oh, on yeah, everybody's yeah. albums, right. man. Everybody. He's, he's he's from the Lubbock area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, There's a shit shit ton of music, Ma- and we Mag- have Mag- Mag- to- Davis. Mac Davis, so with baby, John baby, Denver. Don't get hooked on me. John Denver was from Lubbock as well. And oh, we, I didn't know that. Joe Ely and, we, and, uh, and uh, Jimmy Dale said, Gilmore and Butch, and Butch Hancock. I love yeah. Jimmy Dale Gilmore. And also the greatest player ever, uh, the greatest banjo player ever from Waco, Steve Martin. <laughs> <laughs> He's a wild and crazy guy. <laughs> uh, you know who else? Uh, who was hugely popular a hundred plus years ago? Scott Joplin, who oh, gosh. basically invented ragtime. He was from he was from Bobby, think, Fuller. Bobby Fuller. Got Dallas? Don't know. Bobby Fuller, great pick. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of some more that were like did, big did we, but weren't around long or have been dead a long time. Did we say Ernest Tubb? We yeah. didn't, but we should have. I did. Yeah, yeah, on that list. Okay. So. All right. I, 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 went, got, I went back kind of quickly. <sighs> I was I walking. He was walking the floor over me when I did it. But nah, I got to tell you, my baby don't dance to nothing but Ernest Tubb. Ernest Tubb, that's right. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, we we should not leave out speaking of Michael Corcoran, uh, Washington Phillips. Uh, Corcoran spent decades trying to figure out what instrument Washington Phillips played, and he finally figured it out. Michael Corcoran, <clears throat> the guy who wrote the book All Over the Map: True Heroes of Texas Music, uh, it, it, I, as I said earlier you know rediscovered a life after leaving the statesman as a a music historian and michael you might really like to have him on but he figured it out and it was like this weird one-of-a-kind instrument but michael has been twice nominated for a grammy for his liner notes liner notes yeah uh uh one was on i think the first time was on uh on lemon jefferson and the second time was on his wonderful liner notes on Wash Phillips. And Corcoran didn't win either time, but he said, I went to the ceremony, and because I'm Corky, I found the free backstage buffet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. We uh, kind of have gone uh, an hour and a half now. So uh, Damn. Time flies when you're having uh, beer. Whatever this, when you're having whatever you call it. Time flies when you're having beer. The uh, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and jump right out there and say that next week we have a topic already. It was suggested by one of you. I believe it was Patrick that had suggested it. I think since we're all four, quote, musicians, see the air quotes, musicians, yeah, yeah. we're going to talk about. Understood. <laughs> what what artists most damaged made us. us want to <laughs> damage us? What made us want to go into a field where you don't make any money and get no respect? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, made us go into songwriting, play, and get music all like that. We kind of kind of cool because I think uh, I think it's a pretty good. That'll be a good little topic, and we can have our uh, recommendations and do that. And uh, it may not even go hour and a half next week. It may go an hour in ten minutes. 
Now, Buffalo, uh, just to be clear, and uh, you can edit this if you want, but are we talking about what made us want to play or what want us to become music journalists? Because there's somebody here who's definitely not a journalist. <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah, definitely not a journalist. I must. Yeah, it's like Rain Man. Definitely, definitely not a definitely not a journalist. No, no, Judge Watner. Uh, no, playing music. Yes, it's all about all right. musicians. Right. We'll do the journalism thing at some point when Billy can't be here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not. So we can yeah. talk about it behind his back. He's not a journalist, although he has had his gear featured on the front cover of a national book about music. So, hell of a book, too. Oh, thank you. And uh, sure. it's just a little collection. Uh, I've got, I got one that I'm trying to get somebody to publish. So, you know, my no. Southern Rock interviews have been published. In, you know, we've done seven books of that, but I have a collection of awesome interviews with stars of the 50s, 60s, and 70s, everybody from, oh, I don't know, Ted Nugent uh -huh. on down the line. And uh, I'm trying to get a publisher to put those out. I want I want to say about Buffalo's book, and, and uh, you know, the, what about a month ago when I asked uh, Pat, and, and Jim had joined us for one show, and then I was like, man, we ought to get Pat in here. And actually remembering when you did your book, Buffalo was what uh, what made me think that Pat would be a good fit. He sent me that interview. It was a questionnaire, and I and I filled all of it out. and uh, And I said, "Are you going to edit it?" And he said, "The Buffalo." So he calls me back and he says, "Hey man, you're writing it. Why don't you just go ahead and edit it?" And when he said that, I thought, "That's Beach, man. Beach, just, Beach would interview you and then have you edit your own damn interview." Oh yeah. <laughs> You go ahead and edit it. I'm gonna have a beer. Yeah, it gets to be a lot sometimes, especially if you, especially if you record the interviews and then you have to transcribe it. And you like me, and you type with two fingers. I've done thousands and thousands of words. I mean, so many interviews. Now back when before back when I was still married, before my wife, God rest her soul, passed, she would type the things up for me, and she had taken typing. So she would just haul ass on that. Okay. So now it's like uh, I do some email interviews. If I could talk somebody into like, if I send you the questions, can you just type out the answers? And um, But you got to be careful because some of these people can't write and they'll just put, you know, you put some big question and they'll answer with four words, you know, because they don't yes want to type it. Yes or no. Yeah. <laughs> Mm -hmm. so it's like where if you get them on the phone they'll just go off like patrick beach or something you know they'll just like well let me tell you about t-bone okay i got it i got t-bone is my favorite steak um <laughs> my favorite my favorite cut of meat my favorite cut of meat and it's also my favorite way to get my car hit at an intersection Here's the difference between doing an email interview as opposed to like in person or over the phone. And again, it goes back to Michael Corcoran because he loves to piss people off. Corcoran's talking to Roseanne Cash and he says, you know, your dad really can't sing. And Roseanne says, 
but it's the way he can't sing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> True. If she'd had a if she'd had a second to think about that, she, you know, she wouldn't have said that in an email. Yeah, no. right, right. You gotta yeah. love the live ones because you can you can catch them saying things and then they go. But I have so many tapes. I keep everything on. Well, now they're digital, but it used to be cassette tapes. And I would have these tapes where I'm listening to the interview and a guy will go, like Dickie Betts, for instance, every few paragraphs he would say, now this is off the record. This is off the record. And no, I would take, it's not. No, I would, it's not. <laughs> I, would take, I would take all these off the record stories and save them, right? So when I'm working on these fiction stories, like I've, I've got one, a, a novel I'm writing called Boulevard of Broken Dreams about a fictional Southern rock band. And I put all these true stories in the mouths of fictional characters. Right. Sort of but like, it's all really diggy bits, right? Yeah, it's all, well, just like with Almost Famous, you know, it's the same thing. It's, a, it's, it's fictional, so it's diggy bits. It's fictional. Yes. Yeah, any uh, any any resemblance to persons living or dead? Uh, right. Yeah, that's your disclaimer. Right? Yeah. Anyway, uh, that probably takes us to the end, huh? That takes us to the end, and I'm going to say uh, thank you to everybody for uh, all all. I start to say all four of you, all three of you. <laughs> you can thank yourself. I'm thanking myself uh, for for the show, and uh, hope everybody has everybody has a nice fourth and. Uh, I do want to say uh, that we're going to close with another song, but we'll all be gone by then, or y'all will. Uh, but the song is Kink is from Kiki Friedman's one of his albums, and it's him and Willie Nelson doing Bloody Mary Morning, and what a what a beautiful tender love song that is. Michael, can I have one last word? No. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Stop. Dog bless Texas. Dog bless Texas. Or are you dyslexic? Is <laughs> <laughs> that what that is? Dyslexia. Yeah. All right. All right. Well. Uh, we're out, and next week. And what is it next week again? Uh, it's uh, July 11th. July the 11th. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh shit! That's the day before my birthday. Oh uh, good. We'll have a birthday birth- celebration. It'll be the, it'll be the yeah, be the birth- birthday edition. No, the have, topic. What's the fucking topic? Uh, the thing what that made, made you what want, made what artists made you most want to become a musician? Leather Tuscadero. <laughs> yeah. All right. Quattro. Well, Quattro. Utah. That we got that. Hey, that's uh, done. Let's get a different topic. Hemp, I gotta ask you about something unrelated. Can you stick around for a second? Sure. Uh, it's up to Billy. Yeah. Anyway, y'all can go ahead and talk, and I'm gonna say we're gonna say bye. Thanks. I'm gonna turn the recorder off. In other words, all right. Right. Yeah. Nobody's gonna Uh, say anything. It's a bloody merry morning, baby left me without warning sometime in the night. So I'm flying down to Houston, forgetting her the nature of my flight. 
As we taxi toward the runway with the smog And haze reminding me of how I feel Just a country boy who's learning That the pitfalls of the city are extremely real All the nightlife and the parties Temptation and deceit The order of the day It's a bloody merry morning Cause I'm leaving babies somewhere in L.A. Well, it's a bloody merry morning, baby Left me without warning sometime in the night And I'm flying down to Houston Forgetting her the nature of my flight Fifty cuts a path across the morning sky A voice comes on the speaker reassuring us Flight 50 is the way to fly And a hostess takes our order Toffee, tea or something stronger To start off the day It's a bloody merry morning I'm leaving babies somewhere in L.A. Well, it's a bloody merry morning Baby left me without warning sometime in the night And I'm flying down to Houston Forgetting her the nature of my flight Flying down to Houston Forgetting her the nature of my flight That's Harvey's Dirty Side, baby. Mark Mayband on the Kudzu Radio Hour podcast. That's from Mark's album, Deep Dark Demon. Brand new. Brand spanking new. And like I say, there's a review of it in the new issue of Kudzu Magazine. Uh, just to remind you that there is a new issue out. Um... Go to kudzumag.com, K-U-D-Z-O-O-M-A-G, kudzumag.com, and see number, issue number 38, um, our exclusive interview with guitar man Jack Pearson, an interview with Atlantic Records and Capricorn Records promo man extraordinaire Dick Woolley. Uh, interview with the Almond Brothers Band author Scott Freeman. An archived interview from a few years ago, I think about eight years ago, I did with Bonnie Bramlett. Also, unreleased albums. Uh, Craig Eason from Across the Pond writes about the um, 
Almond Brothers and Sea Level unreleased albums. And uh, I didn't want to say that uh, Craig Eason uh, is in Great Britain, uh, but a writer that did our interview with Jack Pearson and our interview with Scott Freeman, Max, lives in Italy. So we're spreading the South all over the world, baby. Woo, you got to love it, right? Um, anyway, uh, also, uh, the issue has timely articles, very two really timely articles, one about wearing the face mask for the COVID-19 thing, and another one about racism and the police department. And both of them are very well written, and both of them are very uh, uh, much recommended, very highly recommended. Also reviews of music, books, DVDs, and much more. KudzuMag.com Kudzu Radio Hour Podcast is brought to you by the fine folks, our friends at Springer Mountain Farms. Fresh organic chicken responsibly raised on family farms with no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts ever. Get more information or order online at SpringerMountain.com that's SpringerMTN.com. Not only is Springer Mountain Chicken healthier for you, it tastes mighty fine. Mighty, mighty fine. Well, that is going to wrap it up for today, I suppose. Um, thank you so much for tuning in and uh, Hope to see you next, or well, maybe not see you next week, but <laughs> hope to talk at you next week. Meanwhile, if you've got any comments or anything you want to say, just drop us a line. Either drop me a line on Facebook Messenger or email me, either one. Love to hear from you. Suggestions, anything, 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 anything. Well, that's it, folks. We'll see you next time. Keep it real and keep it Southern. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah.